0: Welcome to Inside Personal Growth Podcast. Deep dive with us as we unlock the secrets to personal development, empowering you to thrive. Here, growth isn't just a goal, it's a journey. Tune in, transform, and take your life to the next level by listening to just one of our podcasts. Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And on the other end of the line in South Carolina, joining us is Shamane John. Is that right? Jan or John? How do I pronounce
1: Jan, it? Jan is great. Yeah. Dan, Jan is okay.
0: Great. PhD. And we're going to be speaking about a new book she has out called Healing Ourselves, Biofield Science and the Future of Health, which this is a fascinating book. And there's so much in it that I know we won't cover it all. So put a link to her website. It's Shamini Jan. It's S-H-A-M-I-N-I-J-A-I-N.com. Please go there. She also has a nonprofit called Conscious and Health Healing Initiative. And we will put a link to that as well. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about it during the interview. Well, good day to you. Thank you for joining us. How are you Good doing?
1: Good, Greg. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining on uh, the eve of December here. We're almost at the end of 2023, which is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, we are. And I think our listeners might like to know a little bit about your background, Shamini. She is a doctor, um obtained a BA degree in neuroscience and be- and behavior at Columbia University. Her MA degree is in integrative health psychology from the University of Arizona, and her PhD is in clinical psychology and psychoneural immunology from San Diego State, my alma mater, uh, UC San Diego joint doctoral program in clinical psychology. She conducted her clinical internship at the VA here in La Jolla, and her postdoctoral fellowship at UCLA's Division of Cancer Prevention and Control Research. Um, she received numerous awards for pioneering research in meditation, biofield healing, and psychoneural immunology. She's been featured in Time, U- U.S. News and World Report, CNN, and other news media as well. And she has. she's also a member of the Evolution, Evolutionary Leaders Circle and serves as a board member and advisor for several nonprofits and social benefit companies. Um, Beyond her passion for helping foster worldwide health healing movement, her biggest joys are spending time with her beautiful family, singing and surfing. Well, that's a great bio, actually. I'm so pleased that we had an opportunity to be on the show. And our common link uh, is Bruce Lipton. And Bruce was the one that made the introduction, and I was so pleased that he did because Um, Shamini and I have found so many things in common. And I want to get to the book now because the book has, it's just really filled with what I would call kind of cutting edge uh, information and ways that people can heal. Uh, It's it's everything about who you are and about what you stand for. And I want to point out to everyone that she did a talk on TEDx, on Berkeley, you can look it up. Uh it's a great talk, and I will put a link in the blog to that as well. So you state that our current models of medicine fall short of understanding the depths of human healing potential uh Can you speak with the listeners about what you refer to as the integrated path, which is based on sound science evidence because you know a lot of people out there listening. You got the traditional practices, Western medicine. You've got Eastern philosophies. You've got all these things from, you know, acupuncture to, you know, uh, in, in your case, uh, yoga, healing, meditation. Um, it's not confusing, yet at the same time, I'm certain people would like to get your viewpoint.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's such an important question for our times because Greg, as you know we have all been sort of plagued with this idea that it's one or the other, this either or thinking. And that comes out in in many different dimensions, but particularly health, where we've been taught for a long time that you know disease is outside of us. It's something we can't control. We have to seek medicine outside of us. And sometimes that is true. I mean, that's why we developed antibiotics. They save lives and that's all really important. But sometimes people, have this idea that if I practice yoga or meditation or acupuncture, or I go see an energy healer, that's alternative, and that's not really true either. It's really dependent on our focus. So when we start understanding, and this is what medicine is evolving to, thank goodness, what we call whole person health that integrates our understanding of the physical body and all the beautiful precision medicine that we can use to help support the physical body, whether it's with supplements, whether it's with certain drugs, surgeries, you know, sometimes these things are necessary, but they're not the only thing. And as it turns out, when we work with our minds and our emotions and even our energy, our psyche, this is the psyche part of psychoneuroimmunology. These are really, really powerful ways that we can heal ourselves. So it's really both are true. What we're looking at now with whole person health is that we are the healing agents. We are the ones that are ultimately able to facilitate a healing response in ourselves and we know that right to a certain degree we cut ourselves the the wound heals you know we we have a trauma we do our work inner work we can help heal that trauma so we we know this on some sort of intuitive level the fallacy has been that we'd have to choose and we don't so an integrative model of health means one where we take the wisdom from all these ancient global traditions of medicine because that's what they were and are right Tibetan medicine Ayurveda Chinese medicine African medicine native medicine they were practicing whole person health from the very beginning they knew that our environment our emotions our diet our movement were all powerful you know we're all very powerful in facilitating a healing process yeah so it's it's not. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who said, you know, I have um, my daughter's a doctor and they just get really upset when you talk about meditation as if it's clinical medicine. But here's the truth. The American College of Physicians and the Mayo Clinic and several other organizations actually recommend as first line treatments for chronic pain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: acupuncture, meditation, yoga. So I said, well, you know, in a sense, these can be considered clinical medicine because they have real clinical outcomes. (laughs) It's just, we got so used to this idea that the only thing we could do was take a drug that we forgot about all the other things that we can also do.
0: Well, and I think a lot of our illness stems from, I don't want to, I'll just say this sometimes stinking thinking, um yep. you know I literally uh Dr. Steve Berman, who was an emergency room doctor at Scripps for i don't know like twenty five thirty years, became a hypnotist. He is now my um hypnotist, and you know when you look at the subconscious there's so much stuff that's being carried there that we're just auto responding to right we it's it's just there. Um, I know this wasn't part of my questions, but I think it's important for people to realize that a a lot of what's been programmed in, as Bruce Lipton said, the first seven years of your life, you're not going to erase those tapes, um, but you're basically going to learn to live with them. Um, With all your studies and everything there, what are are your thoughts around somebody using uh, a hypnotherapist or something like that?
1: It's a really great question, and, and I love Brucey so much, as you know, I'm, I'm deeply grateful to him for introducing us, for example, and I have the pleasure of co-teaching with him um, many times. In fact, we're going to be doing a fabulous joint program with him and Anita Morjani and Greg Brayden and I in uh, in the end of January in Scottsdale. So we have a lot of fun together and I love everything he says. But and this idea that we're kind of stuck with everything that happened to us in childhood i'm not really so sure of and i'll tell you why
0: i'm, first all, of all, I'm open to hear and i'm sure my listeners want to hear too
1: <laughs> yeah well first of all okay and i get it because when i was at columbia and i talk about this when i was at columbia as an undergraduate in neuroscience in the 90s they were telling us that there was no plasticity or changes in the brain after age seven okay so that's oh. where that idea you know, and I would I would actually call that stinking thinking itself because it's actually not true. We you know and I remember hearing that in the 90s and I thought that can't be true. And in my skeptical mind, it was actually skeptical scientific mind said, how do they know that? How do they know the brain doesn't change after age seven? That just doesn't make sense if you think about how plastic we are and how we adapt to our environment. And and in truth, it's not true. So we know that actually neuronal plasticity happens even in adulthood, and it can happen with deep meditation. Um, certainly, there have been studies recently with psychedelics that are showing this, but with profound changes in consciousness. So here's the thing. We want to distinguish between some terms, if you will, here. The mind, the subconscious mind, but what drives the mind? It's actually consciousness that can drive the mind. Now, the mind can be driven by emotions, and that's where we get into our programs that Brucey talks about. If we get stuck in our traumas, and we have those repetitive emotions that drive repetitive kind of a groove of thinking, then we may feel stuck. But the truth is we can interrupt that pattern and working with the subconscious through things like hypnotherapy. And there are many other practices, energy psychology, you know, lots of deep psychotherapy work, even body work, somatic release. All of these energy work are ways to dislodge the energetic and mental patterning that makes us feel stuck because of what happened to us in the past. But the data from psychoneuroimmunology actually shows us that we can rewire our brain. And if we can rewire our brain, that means we also rewire our body because as you know, our cells are literally dying and being reborn every moment. It's incredible. We're constantly in a state of renewal. All it takes is a shift of consciousness that can then shift the mind to expand and see more than the narrow filter of our trauma and hypnosis is a great way to do this you know and it. It, it, it's it's amazing i i know a, a wonderful md who is you know in the emergency room and i met him in san diego he's a professor there he taught me some hypnosis back in the day in graduate school His presence was amazing, first of all, but I remember how he shared that he would use hypnotherapy in the ER, and he was so successful at it that his patients did not need pain meds when they were going through surgical procedures. That's the same thing
0: Steve did, the guy, the doctor, Steve Berman, Dr. Steve Berman, who is my hypnotherapist. When he was in the emergency room, he started hypnotizing. And then he went and got a degree and so on in, in it. And literally, he quit his practice to practice Is hypnotherapy. Is he a Qigong
1: practitioner by chance? Is he a Qigong practitioner? I don't think so. But when you
0: come out, I'll introduce you to him because he's I in the Mar- I think San we're medicine. talking
1: about the same person. <laughs> it could be. But do. you know,
0: last year at this time, I was honored to be invited by uh, Richie Davidson, uh, the Center for Healthy Minds in Wisconsin. Who's done all the work with the Dalai Lama? And if you look at it, all the electrodes and everything and the things that we've done on the brain, um, I was there virtually for two or three days, but I was fascinated with what you just said because what Richie Davidson is doing in his labs there at Healthy Minds Institute is proving exactly what you're saying. And I think for all my listeners, that's important to note is that your brain and uh, Dr. Kennedy in Switzerland has been doing a ton of work on this as well. So, you know, in your um, talk at Berkeley that you did for TEDx, you spoke about COVID-19, the great pause. You actually mentioned it in the book as well. Um, the fact that we're all reflecting about how we're living our lives now, which I think it, it, from, if anything great happened from it, it's the fact that we're all kind of rebooted. Um, We're looking at the way we we work. We're changing the way we work. We're looking at our lifestyles. We're trying to lead healthier lifestyles, which integrates in my mind into body, mind and spirit. How can we better heal what we would refer to as our fractured selves? As you state in the book, you use the term fractured selves. Um, Actually, I think that's the first time I heard it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, there are a lot of ways that we can think about this in the psychology realm, a lot of when we talk about fractured selves, sometimes people refer to that as parts work, you know, and internal family systems and also on the psychological level, it's about taking all these different aspects of ourselves facets, some people call them archetypes, you know and bringing those together so that we can become whole. So that means there's a place for my inner child, there's a place for my inner witch, there's a place for my divine masculine, there's a place for my divine feminine, and I can bring those together to create the wholeness of my psyche and feel very free. But there's another way to explore this. And this is what I say is the best kept secret about health, longevity, and a sense of peace and well-being and it's really what i focused on as you know in my book and in the tedx talk and it's something that honestly scientists haven't really talked about very much it's almost been considered taboo which is really interesting and that's what we kind of collectively refer to as our energy right what we in science call the biofield mm-hmm. so when we talk about integrating part of the issue here greg is that we've been so focused on just the mind and thinking that we forgot about the importance of bringing our mind together with our energy. So, this is about coming into our bodies and feeling the sensations in our bodies, the subtle sensations in our bodies. We have, you know, meditation practices that do this. But even more than that, really tapping into subtle awareness of energy and the biofield. Honestly, I feel like scientifically, we've really left a lot of healing on the table because we haven't explored this dimension of our human capacities um, scientifically and nor have we been broadly teaching it there are many wonderful teachers that are teaching about healing and the role of energy and energy medicine and a lot of my work over the last several decades has been to uncover this scientifically and so as you know i talk about My research at randomized controlled trials, looking at energy healing to relieve fatigue in breast cancer survivors, to reduce trauma in active duty military. There are so many studies now showing that when we work with our energy, whether by ourselves using things like energy psychology practices or Tai Chi, Qigong, Pranayama, which is breath work, literally means life force extension, right? We're working with energy in this way. It's incredible how fulfilling it can be, and it unites the mind. So when we talk about reintegrating, when we start paying attention to our energy, it's almost, you know, we can joke about using the force, but really that's what it is. It's like we're becoming aware of the force that can shift our relationships. It can help us not feel drained when we're in a social situation you know sometimes people walk out of a room feeling drained and they don't know why well guess what as we develop our subtle awareness and our sense of energy we can prevent that from happening because we understand what's happening from an energy dynamic point of view we can tap into the energy behind our emotions sometimes quicker than the mind can respond because the mind will tend to react right so that's the issue in ancient times, it was said that these things really go together, because the mind was considered to be like a lame rider, like and the vital energy or this, you know, subtle energy, vital energy was considered a blind horse. So that is if you just have unbridled energy, that's sort of going all over the place, you know, you may feel really strong, but your energy gets dissipated really quickly. Right. Because you're not uniting it with your mind. Well, that also brings
0: me to the fact of what you're speaking about and for our listeners as well, you know, whether you're using color, light, sound to create this vibratory attunement um, or in your case, Tai Chi or yoga or any of these other things. In essence, let's talk a second about the spiritual side, because all of these are related to you getting connected to a higher source, whatever it for my listeners, look, we have all kinds of listeners out there. I had a comment the other day from a lady was talking about the Kabbalah and somebody wrote into me and said, how did you get my email address? I only believe there is one God and this is what happens. And I was like, okay, well, you don't have to listen to the podcast, but uh, kind of thing. But my point is, is that um, there's so many paths up the mountain to, to reach the point of your attunement with the one right with this source and power and i don't want to leave out the spiritual side because i think it's a very important oh element. it's
1: essential all roads yeah. lead the power of the spirit for healing and yeah. as you said there's so many ways that we call it you know when i've studied healers from christian traditions from modern traditions ancient traditions they all say the same thing first of all i'm not doing the healing i'm a conduit for right. whether they call it universal life energy soul spirit god to open the person to their divine source, whatever that is. So this uniting of the mind with the energy literally opens the door for the spiritual force, if you'd like to call it that, to realign the body, mind, spirit and facilitate healing all the way to ourselves. So that's what we call whole person health. And what we have neglected in medicine and almost eschewed as if it wasn't really part of medicine was the role of the spirit in healing
0: exactly exactly when you
1: get right to the core of all these practices they weren't just longevity practices or performance practices they're spiritual practices they exist in every culture you know the flavors may be different but you know we can include prayer in this because it's a way of getting quiet It's a way of realigning our energy. It's a way of practicing surrender, releasing the egoic mind. All of these are essential for opening the spiritual dimensions to healing. And as you know, that can be very powerful. My dear friend Anita Morjani has written a beautiful book, which many people may be familiar with, called Dying to Be Me, where she was literally on her deathbed of stage four cancer, the doctors telling her family members that she would not live through the night. She had a profound out-of-body experience, near-death experience, came back into her body, and within a week or two, all of her tumors were gone. And she continues to live in remission 10 years later and plus. So the power well, I know, I know of this the, is tremendous, and we barely understand it scientifically, but it is incredibly powerful.
0: Well, it goes back a ways, but my eldest son uh, contracted chronic myelogenous leukemia, and this goes back uh, 20 some plus years ago. And I was reading a book on spontaneous remission. Obviously, as a parent, you're trying anything um, because... Um, The doctors were saying, well, we could uh, radiate you, basically, you know, at that time, there weren't a lot of different things. But then this drug came along, which we're very happy for. But at the same time, his spiritual practice and his eating habits changed. He became vegan. He changed all kinds of things. He was 21 at the time. He's now 41. Um, And the reality is, I want to relate this to a story you talked about in the book, where it's about Mara and her diagnosis with brain cancer. Um, and I thought it was a really compelling story. If you could relate the story to our listeners, because it's so foundational to what we can uh, often heal our own bodies, right? Just like what you're talking about.
1: And Absolutely. It's a, it was a great oh, story in the book. The role of the biofield, what we've been calling the biofield, which I'll unpack for anyone who hasn't heard that term, because it's relatively new by scientists. We need to understand the role of the biofield in cases like MIRAS. The biofield is defined as fields of energy and information that guide our health. That's the simple definition. And the more scientific definition is a massless field, not necessarily electromagnetic, that guides the homeodynamic functioning of a living organism. So those are the fancy words that, you know, the scientists like to use. Biofield was coined as a term at a National Institutes of Health meeting in the 1990s. It's relevant because when we understand stories like Mira, so Mira is, a is. I heard about Mira from her father at a dinner party in San Diego. And this fellow had no idea what I did at the time. We were just at an Indian dinner party. And all of a sudden, for no reason at all, right? for synchronicity reasons, he sat me down at the dinner table and proceeded to tell me the story about his daughter not having any idea what I did, which was that at age two, she developed a brain tumor no family history nothing it was very unexpected they had brought her into the doctor because she kept vomiting they thought she had a virus and then they discovered she had a brain tumor and that was the reason for her vomiting of course like any parents would they went and opted for the best of care they went for surgery and radiation right away because that was what was recommended the radiation caused some developmental delays but the tumor was removed so it seemed and so um, they were very grateful unfortunately several months later the tumor came back but this time in an area where the doctor said it's going to be really tenuous if we try to operate here it's possible she would also have more developmental delays that would be very significant Um, and here she's only two years old and they were kind of like you know the doctor said we're not sure what to tell you um, because it's very possible you know that the surgery may not be successful and the radiation will cause all these delays so they were looking for options And a friend of theirs at the time said, listen, I know this sounds crazy, but I know a healer in Tel Aviv and her story is remarkable. You know, I talk about it more in the book. I do want people to know because I get this question a lot afterward. This particular healer that I'm talking about is no longer with us. Um, She has now passed on the healer was actually a Holocaust survivor herself um, as a young baby um, found actually at a concentration camp It's a whole other story. but. They decided to try to work with this healer who was in Tel Aviv there in San Diego. And the healer says to them, look, let me explain to you what's going on. Mira's healing is going to be up to Mira. It's going to be up to her high self. What I'm going to do is help connect with her soul to soul and work with her energetically. And if Mira's higher self wants this tumor to be removed, then it will happen. I cannot force this. She also gave them advice on how to keep a healthy home environment, you know, things that they could do, you know, nutrition-wise and emotionally, to just sort of keep Mira's spirits in a good place. And that's all really important too for the healing process. Mm-hmm. So this is what they did, and they weren't taking any other medications or herbs or anything else. They were just following what this healer recommended, and this healer was working with her at a distance, like this, for several months. Well, in several months, they went back to the doctor for a checkup. They noticed that Mira seemed to be doing better and they were shocked because her tumor had shrunk to the size of a dime. And then a few months later it had disappeared altogether. And to this day, nobody knows what happened, right? It's chalked up to the spontaneous remission. Now, the beautiful story about Mira is she is a, such a beautiful example of the healing process because you know, not only is she alive, she's thriving. She does have developmental de- delays. Right. So, um, she has seizures, um, on many occasions, which, you know, they all have to kind of work with and deal with. But she's not only out there as a leading light for other young people with developmental disabilities, she's now doing pageants. She's actually been at many fashion. She's about 21 now, I think. And she's like traveling all over the country at this point, doing these beautiful pageants, fashion pageants, as a young woman with developmental delays and, and, you know, specially abled, um, who is just out there as an inspiration for so many. She's so well-spoken as well. And, you know, it's just a testament to healing isn't always necessarily curing where we're perfect in all capacities, right? It's a journey and it's a journey to the spirit. Ultimately, this is Mira's journey. Her journey was to heal herself of this cancer tumor and to be a living embodiment of the healing process and journey and an inspiration for so many in spite of or perhaps because of her developmental delays that were happened during the cancer process so it's really a beautiful story and scientifically of course we want to know how did that happen it's profound and Mira's story isn't the only one i spoke of anita too but there are literally hundreds if not thousands
0: you right. know perhaps
1: million of others well, so and I believe
0: as, what you're talking about, it, pardon right? me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what I believe what you're talking about is truly, you know, um, I d- when you look at the Western medicine side and the Eastern side and the various, there's not this opposition per- period, but when you take spirituality into this, and in Mira's case, I love what the healer said from Tel Aviv, it's, it's Mira's choice. That's what you just said. In other words, so it's really around... Our connection with a greater source providing us with this bioenergy field that allow us to heal. And I think, you know, look, whether people say, oh, well, that's woo-woo, it doesn't matter if you believe it's woo-woo or not. The reality is it's happening. It's happening all over the place. Happens all the time. You hear great stories. What you chalk them up to, I don't really know. I do know, though, I do some work with La Jolla Institute of Immunology. And in the olden days, it just used to be, as you know, uh, we can either radiate or cut, but now we can immunize. And I know you know a lot about this. Um, So the reality is we've come so far in Western medicine to be able to um, get rid of these cancers, right? So if you are going to go down some traditional means, you ought to consider immunization uh, because it is happening it's it's going to be in the next 10 years probably at the forefront of science wouldn't you say
1: Yes, well, new breakthroughs happening constantly in immunotherapy, which is wonderful. For example, you know, many cancers that we couldn't treat very well or where we had to bomb the entire system right. with chemotherapy, we're now able to use targeted immunotherapy in conjunction with things like meditation, energy work, acupuncture, right. the right. whole person, and not necessarily bomb you know, all of our systems. As you know, Greg, I talk about research that I and others have done in cancer showing that energy healing can actually reduce the spread of tumors in the body and these are carefully controlled studies with mice and um, with cells I want to touch on something that I think is really important for our listeners today and that is that sometimes those of us who are struggling with a chronic illness whether it's a mental health issue or a physical health issue however we parse it the mind and body are connected when we hear things like it's up to me it's you know it's my Divine self we can feel really empowered but sometimes people almost feel guilty and I want to name that they may say what's wrong with me, then if it's, it's all up to me, why, am, why can't I heal myself. Let's address that because it's really important. First of all, please know that yes, your healing journey is very much more in your hands than you may have ever imagined. And it doesn't mean that you don't need support on the journey. We're all walking around this world with multiple inputs, whether it's things that we eat, our environment, our job life, our family life, our, you know, and and this is where Brucey and I may differ a little bit, our genetic makeup, which is malleable through epigenetics. We know that, right? But we've come in a certain way. I have a certain body type, you have a certain body type, right? So we all have propensities to fall off of balance and that's okay. When we realize we're out of balance and out of harmony, it's a time for us to understand, oh, I'm out of balance, I'm out of harmony, and then I can seek and work with all the resources that are at hand to bring me back into balance. Sometimes that means that we want to seek help from others. And here's some really powerful healers. Now Greg, as you know in my book, I go over, you know, a pathway for healing, self-healing called the Healing Keys, and there mm-hmm. are many of them. Okay? Mm-hmm grounding. Feeling and working with our emotions is a huge one. And I I share tips on how to do that energetically. Setting our healing intentions for powerful healing. This is where we can kind of clear away conditioning that might get us stuck with with the subconscious mind. Creating healing rituals and setting healing intentions are really powerful ways to clear the old conditioning in the muck. Opening to connection is huge. Connection is a huge healer for us. An opening to surrender,
0: surrendering
1: uh-huh. the process. We can do all of these things, but then ultimately leave it up to source and spirit to handle the details. So these are all healing keys that we can use every day to facilitate a deeper sense of well-being, harmony, and help heal from a chronic illness if we have one. So we don't have to go at it alone. Yes, it's up to us, but we're not separate right? That's the fallacy that we're separate. So I encourage folks that are on the healing journey to explore these healing keys and, you know, kind of take stock of where your resources are and work with them because we're all in this together.
0: Well, and it's outlined in the book and I'm going to hold the book back up again. Uh, Go get a copy of it because really for people exploring this for the first time, you do a great job of connecting all of that. And, you know, We've talked a little about your background, especially your professional background. We didn't speak anything yet about your parents and the influence they had on you spiritually. Uh, with Janism, is, it, is, that, is that correct? Okay. That's correct. So how would you say your parents influenced you about your spiritual practice and had an influence uh, on what I would call today your devotion, your curiosity about spirituality, uh, you're uh very deep introspective around consciousness, health and healing uh, because I found that part of your story to be quite fascinating. And I think for, as you just said a second ago, all the people that are born into the life that they have, some may have a spiritual practice that are, that are listening. Some may be atheists that are listening Um we don't know out of the thousands of people to listen to, but I think what we should make a point about is most people who have a spiritual practice and have a community and have a, sor- a, a, a source for support end up being better off than those that don't period end of
1: well, uh, it's, this is a really important point that you're making because again there are so many paths that lead us back to ourselves even those who consider ourselves atheist okay some people would call Jainism an atheistic religion if there's such a yeah. thing or some people will call it a philosophy why because we believe the divine is within us and so Jan's typically don't quote pray to gods outside of ourselves we understand that God is within us so in that way it's similar to Buddhism um, and there are some differences for me, I feel extremely blessed to have been born into the spiritual tradition of Jainism. I consider it my spiritual home, although I do teach a lot of mantra, and I have a deep reverence for the divine feminine. So, you know, I do give reverence to the divine feminine. I teach mantra work as a way to access the divine um, through vibration and sonic vibration and that has all been informed by my spiritual heritage and jainism too because we also chant mantra right it's it's really all about the intention but my family you know um and just my parents as a living embodiment as best as they can right of all of us are human of jan principles have had a profound influence on me i grew up here in the deep south um growing up in a Jan tradition where ahimsa or nonviolence is our biggest tenet, that's what Jans are mostly known for a huge influence on Mahatma Gandhi and then later Martin Luther King and others right um Janism was and I grew up with all my friends being Baptist Christian here in the South.
0: Yeah. So and I would
1: I would go to church with them, you know, and and you know, of course, there were some that would say, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. But again, being around so many Christians and having a deep felt sense of Jesus and his teachings and his heart and his healing capacities, like what he did as a healer and you know, as a divine being. Personally, I believe that there are many divine beings on the planet and Jesus was an incredible God-human, as several have been that have walked on this earth. That's how I view him. Um, It's so wonderful when we can celebrate these spiritual traditions and not feel like we have to be right or own them. And even for those of us who may be atheist, if we have reverence for nature, if we have reverence for each other, if we recognize that we're all part of the fabric For this universe, this is what we're after in the healing process, because this is the key, we started talking about mind, our mind by our conditioned experiences is limited. So however we frame coming into what I call that big C consciousness that I talk about in my book. However, we understand that that's the key because it brings us tremendous peace, a sense of connection and an opening to possibilities to create the lives that we want and that we want to see in the world. So it's never been about my truth is wider than your truth or you have to believe like me. It's Mm -hmm. all about reverence for life, including and beyond human life, this great earth that we've been privileged to steward as human beings, the animal kingdom, the rock kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom you know, from a shakti perspective or seeing everything is teeming with life energy. Again, if we choose that path, then connecting life force to life force um, is such a powerful way to open ourselves to healing possibility.
0: Well, it, it is, as you say, you know, your parents had a great influence on you and I'm so grateful uh, that you continued this practice because Without that practice, if you look at all the twists and turns in your life to go get your degrees, to study with all these great people, the psychoneuroimmunology, you know, the you are really kind of a light force that's out there spreading this message. And I just want to thank you for that because we need more of it. Now, uh, one of the things you talk about is your experience with Reiki, but this also goes into the role. And I wanna ask you a question of consciousness and spirituality and healing. Um, And it's hard not to wonder, as you say in the book, whether it's just science or placebo effect, right? And you explain this placebo effect for listeners and I'd like for you to explain it and discuss the HEAL, H-E-A-L, which is Holistic Elements Activating Life Force. Um, I don't know if that acronym is yours or if it's
1: something. Yes, it is. Uh, Believe me, there are many scientists that wouldn't like life force, right? So that's definitely my own acronym.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so I think for our listeners, you were just talking about consciousness, the big C, right? And I think this is a great way to get there because, you know, you talked about, you know, the chakra and, and uh, Reiki and the energy connections that are made, but all of that's leading to a higher level of consciousness and a higher level of spirituality let's face these are all interconnected um but i loved your thing that you talked about around the placebo effect uh and i think for our listeners would be interesting because you know obviously most of them know what a placebo is but go ahead and explain it and explain your
1: acronyms Well, again, part of the issue is that we've been trying to explore and explain placebo with the mind only, and it doesn't work. And here's what we know in a nutshell. As you know, deep, I go into this deeply into the book, but we we see placebo effects with physical medicine, with surgery, with acupuncture, with many things, even down to neural firing levels in Parkinson's disease. So what is going on? Well, there are many facets to placebo, our conscious mind, which is expectation, our somewhat subconscious mind, which is involved in conditioning. That means that if I had a good experience with acupuncture in the past, the next time I see that acupuncturist, my body mind is already starting to go into a relaxed state because my subconscious mind and my body knows what to expect, right? There's also the meaning making behind it. There's ritual, there's relationship. All these things are powerful drivers of what we call placebo effects. But since they occur in everything, it, what is it telling us? Again, you know, as Joe likes to say, Joe Dispenza, I am the placebo. Well, yes, you are. And it's all consciousness-based because all of those elements are things that we can work with for our own healing process, our relationships, creating our own ritual, understanding the meaning of an illness or the meaning of what it means to get well, working with our conscious mind, and even the subconscious mind. So we can drive these holistic elements that activate what I call life force or the healing response, right? Some people will call it salutogenesis genesis to drive healing. Now, does that mean that energy healing itself is just a placebo? I've done my own randomized control trials on this and others. So the question has been all wrong. It's not an either or, again, it's a both and. We can set up the conditions to where if we open ourselves fully to the possibility of healing, um, of healing possibilities through making sure that our minds are open to it, our bodies are relaxed to receive. This is just sort of common sense of creating conditions for healing. But the studies actually show that energy healing is beyond even that. So what we call placebo elements will help us with the receptivity for the healing response, which includes the connection with spirit. And this is why I'm just gonna touch on ritual for a minute and its importance in this, Greg, as it's part of the placebo, right? What we call placebo. Ancient cultures understood that rituals weren't just about relaxing the autonomic nervous system, right, which it can do. We can get into a relaxed state when we get into a ritual, we're getting in a routine, we're conditioning ourselves. But really on the spiritual level, we're opening to spirit. We're calling in our ancestors to guide in the healing. And Greg, for those who are on social media, I want to invite people to get on um, my Instagram or Facebook, Dr. Shamani Jan page, and look at this post that I just posted. As you, as I, I know we haven't talked about, as part of my nonprofit, we're doing a documentary on healing, showing the very real effects. And we were right. recently um, interviewing a curandera, um, a wonderful curandera who's actually based in San Diego. Um, And just for fun, she actually did Olympia or a cleansing with me. Greg, the moment that she called upon my female ancestor spirits to be there during the cleansing. This was a healing ritual that we were engaged in. It was amazing. My producer actually saw with her naked eye this beautiful rainbow orb appear. And so she quickly grabbed her phone and took some pictures, and I posted them to just show the power Of what ritual can do of opening these dimensions of spirit to assist in the healing process we are never alone right spirit is supporting us all the way and this picture was just such a beautiful reminder of that you know because sometimes we forget we don't see our minds are busy but wow it's amazing what the ancient traditions knew about the power of would
0: you say that ritual is opening up the field forces? In other words, so yes. in other words, it's like, exactly. Um, you know, my, my wife is the head of an order called Builders of the Atenum, which is based in Los Angeles. And they use color, light, sound, Kabbalah, a lot of different things. But my point is, it's all around healing, yes. uh, praying for the healing of the world, the, all of those kind of things. So they do a lot of ritual work, right? And the rituals mm-hmm. and the preparation for that type of thing. And I think what you're doing is you're setting up the energy field forces for the receptivity for that to occur by that ritual work. It's almost like a mantra. You know, when you when you do a mantra before you go into your meditation, you're literally setting yourself up, I think, Greg's opinion, a better meditation, meaning a much deeper meditation, a meditation where you know, whether you get pulsating purple light out of the top of your head, but for the chakra to actually have much more energy for you to to move more energy through your body. Um, Would you say that's true? Yeah, You're
1: creating coherence with the energetic field, right? So we do this through ritual. We do it through prayer. We, We do it through sacred sound making. All of these ways are powerful ways to cohere and collect the energy and orient it toward a common goal, which is healing. And by, in, by creating that coherence in the field, we're better able to make contact with spirit to guide in the healing process. And this is something that the ancient traditions have known for so long. And now as we in Western science begin to move beyond the mind to explore these dimensions of healing, it will be very exciting to see how we can measure and explore how shifting our energies in these ways can open the force field for healing, as you describe.
0: It is so true. Now, you had the honor of studying with Paul Mills at UCSD um, on your psychoneuroimmunology degree, and you also received an NIH grant, National Institute of Health grant. Uh, to study biofield healing. Now, this book is the subtitle Biofield Science. Um, What did you learn? I think that's you've talked a lot about what you've learned, but what have you seen in any movement or acceptance from the traditional fields of medicine relative to biofield healing? Because somewhere in your book, you made a comment. I can't remember exactly where it was where it has kind of waned lately, Uh, and I have a concern for that because it's almost like maybe traditional medicine reached out and now it's making a movement back. Where do you see all this going?
1: Well, there's a U.S. perspective and there's a global perspective. So let's talk about the U.S. perspective. Uh-huh. It is nearly impossible to get funding for research with biofield healing practices like Qigong, Reiki, chronic healing, and so forth. Because we're still steeped in what we call a materialist reductionist model that I am not more than the physical body. Consciousness is something that happens in my brain, and that's still the reigning doctrine that's driving a lot of the decisions on what is funded. Our researchers, even with these profound studies that I go over in my book, that are showing that energy healers, energy healing in many different traditions, not just one, are showing these effects down to cell changes, down to spreads of tumors in the body using carefully controlled mouse studies and over 400 clinical studies that have been done with energy healing. We are told that unless we can show a biologically plausible mechanism for energy healing, they're not interested in funding it. So here you see sort of that old drug model thinking, all which right. is actually completely erroneous. Look, Greg, nothing follows just one biological mechanism in the body. Basic immunology teaches us that. that There's a reason why we have all these off-label uses for medications. Sometimes we don't even know how drugs work. And then we find out drugs work on a different pathway than what they thought, and then they start using it for some other thing. So the idea of one biologically plausible mechanism for things like energy healing doesn't even make any sense the body is multi-pronged we call pleiotropic many different pathways which healing occurs not just one so that's one of the problems the other problem is quite frankly that we still don't believe in ourselves okay we still have this idea that it's got to be outside of us it's got to be measurable you know if i can't measure it and i can't see it it's not real well where is the mind how do you measure the mind <laughs> how do you measure emotions we can measure some emotions and so what's happening is a lot of researchers are trying to explore how can we help demonstrate pictures of the biofield. How could we measure the biofield off of the body? And there's some of that work being done where we're looking at emitted biophotons because we we all emit light. So doing a little bit more careful study, exploring the electrical activity, the light activity, just so those who need to be convinced that we have a biofield can see it visualized with their own eyes. And that's, that's noble and important. But for me, If these healing approaches, even if we can't directly measure the energy, are having effects on patients, it's got to be integrated into clinical care, period. Agreed. Agreed. What we've seen with these studies is that there don't appear to be harm. So when we look at in clinical medicine, what we call benefits to harm ratio the benefits to harm ratio is very high with this so imagine how wonderful it would be if you went into the er and you could choose whether you wanted to receive reiki acupuncture or a pain medication or maybe Mm -hmm. some combination right this is what we're striving for at the consciousness and healing initiative is moving the needle in very specific strategic ways to get these healing therapies integrated into healthcare. that's why we share about research We try to up level the quality of research we are sharing and in in production on a wonderful documentary that's sharing real healing stories, interviews with healers and scientists, because we need to get this knowledge out there more broadly for the community. So if the community is wondering, well, what can I do, guys, you are everything, because nothing happens without public demand. The more you demand these practices and the more you can share the evidence, and we have lots of resources for you to share evidence at our website, www.chi.is, chi.is is is, is our nonprofit website. Share this with your doctor, share this with your fellow physician friends, let them know that there's really a there there with the evidence. And and my book, which has over 600 peer-reviewed published references, is a good start. um, We'll put a yeah. link to we'll put
0: a link for our listeners as well and they can support that and also the documentary. I know that you still have to complete it. So for all those listening that are interested, reach out there, get in touch with Shamini uh, because this documentary is going to be groundbreaking. I had a question for you. You said you're going in late January uh to Arizona uh with a group of your fellow healers. And uh, are you, I'm just curious because Steve Berman, the guy I mentioned who's the hypnotherapist is working directly with Dr. Raymond Weil. Um, are you involved with him in this as well? Because it seems like there's a whole integrative medicine uh, practice that's he's happening.
1: Yeah. Yes. and It's great. And we may interview him for the documentary. Certainly we've interviewed other incredible leaders in the integrative healing space. Dr. Mimi Guarneri, who you may know in San Diego, founder La of La yeah integrative medicine and um and many other integrative doctors are being interviewed for this documentary so they can share what whole person health looks like um we're interviewing their patients as well so we can also inspire people to know that there really are docs out there getting this done doing this work and it's tremendous we want to make it the standard of care and i and i
0: want to make a note here um and this isn't a negative note it's just a fact um Our system today, for everyone listening, um, is designed, especially the insurance carriers, um, to wait for people to get sick. Um, They're not doing as much. You're seeing some advancement in it, but not near what we'd like to see um, for really alternative care and allowing you to pay for acupuncture, or Reiki, or any of these other things because people, let's face it, our insurance system is a big thing. That's a cog in the wheel that literally is saying, hey, this is how doctors get paid. This is how hospitals get paid. This is how the system actually works. And the system is broken, okay? Um, And it needs to be reworked, okay? Um, And it needs to be reworked. And we need to start paying for the things you're talking about. Uh, because it will help people heal, because somewhere along the line, somebody has to get paid, and we don't need more drug manufacturers, pardon me, um, making erroneous kind of drugs. It's great to make great drugs that do great things, um, Mm -hmm. but we have so many of them out there. So as we end this podcast, what I'd like you to do is kind of sum up, if someone's listening out there, and they're looking to kind of realize the full potential of their healing. And they're saying, boy, you guys have talked about a lot. You've talked about Reiki. You've talked about meditation. You've talked about yoga. You've talked about the energy biofield. You've talked about all these things. And I wouldn't say they're confused. They're saying, I've heard much of this. But now how do I integrate this into kind of my own life to make a shift? And where would I start? I mean, yeah, you can start by reading the book but then there's gotta be some action taken afterwards. In your estimation, how do they find places to go to do that? I know you have all the references in here. Um, would it be your website?
1: Yeah, here's the beauty of it. Um, first of all, the last part of the book, The Healing Keys, will give you a step-by-step process for self-healing every day. Very, very simple practices and exercises there. You know, Again, grounding, working with emotions energetically, um, setting healing rituals and intentions, opening to connection and surrendering are fundamental pillars of uh, practices that you can do every day. I cannot stress the importance of community enough. And here's what's really wonderful about the data. You're absolutely right, we've covered a lot of ground. Here's what the data tells you. It doesn't matter what your practice is. It matters that you have one. So Mm -hmm. if you feel drawn to yoga, do yoga. If you feel drawn to meditation, do that. Listen to your intuition. Your practice may even shift over time and that's okay. There are no rules. What is important is that you give yourself half an hour a day, even split up along the day, whatever you got to do, give yourself time every day for a practice to reconnect with your body, mind, spirit. And that can also mean being in nature. There are so many ways and all you have to do is choose one that you enjoy. Something that brings you joy will replenish your spirit, reconnect you and motivate you to be on the healing path when you may have to make some changes to your diet and lifestyle. And let's face it, nobody wants to do that. You know, Most people don't anyway, unless they're super motivated. I don't know anyone who said, oh, yay, I can't wait to cut sugar out of my diet. You know, <laughs> so, so pick a practice that you enjoy. We didn't talk about singing today, but that's a huge practice for me. Singing and dancing around the house also counts. It's a way of reinvigorating your energy and reconnecting with your spirit. And I do want to invite people to connect with me and connect with a nonprofit. We have free webinars every month. The first Fridays generally of every month. You can go to webinarsonhealing.com. Um webinars on healing.com will let you know about all the wonderful people and things that are coming. Sometimes we're talking science. Sometimes we're talking practice. You'll meet a lot of wonderful people in the community that way. It's totally free and there's a free replay afterward. Um, so please take advantage of that resource. Um, I do teach quite a bit. As I mentioned, I'll have two, um, three events actually happening in January, a couple of them in San Diego and one of them in Arizona with dear friends and leading lights in healing. Um, I also teach at uh, retreat centers, including Sivananda Ashram and Esalen and Omega and other places, um, both nationally and internationally. So please come to an event because when we get together in healing community, It's really incredible the shifts in the energy that can take place. Um, And I hear every day about transformations, whether it's reductions in pain or, you know, kind of a release of longstanding depression. It's amazing what we can do together in a community. So if you feel called to come into a community event, please do, whether it's online or in person. Well, we'll have links in
0: our blog to all of this because we're going to get it all from you. Uh, The other thing is, I was just going to say many, many years ago. uh george leonard michael murphy george leonard was on this those were the founders of Essalon. so uh i go back a ways doing these podcasts and i sat in george's living room and you just brought up something when you mentioned esalon i knew you had taught there and it was just such a fond memory of sitting with george for almost like three hours doing an interview it's a fascinating man um
1: amazing. it's so, so funny because our last our last webinar was on itp integral transformative practice with pamela kramer who's the head of itp and of course yeah, that's george, you know, george george leonard and... that's george leonard's work so how wonderful yeah. that you brought him up because he's very much in our orbit these days well
0: <laughs> the itp is i did a class that he asked me to go to and i'd never got involved with it after that one uh event i did um I, I think it was in San Rafael. It actually was San Rafael. And the reality was I felt so fantastic after that combination of practices in a row. I mean, it is just, you know, the way that ITP is set up. And for those of you who are uh, interested, there's a website for ITP and we'll put it in the link to this blog as well uh, if you want to get involved in that. Well, Shomini, a an honor having you on our show. Uh, definitely bringing... Um, some valuable, um, what I want to say, information about where medicine is going, but more importantly about how we play that role. And I want to emphasize to my listeners, if you don't invest in yourself, no one else is. Um, So the reality is, I would say, invest in yourself in reading a book, listening to a tape, doing meditation, doing yoga, doing Tai Chi, doing acupuncture, whatever one Float your boat. The point is, is all this work is around your bioenergy field, which is literally going to assist you in any healing process. And it's going to most likely help you live longer uh, and live more healthy uh, and live into a point where you can continue to contribute to our world in a positive way. And I want to thank you for doing that. Namaste to you for you, you being thank here you, with our
1: listeners today. It's an honor to be with you and with all the listeners today. I'm wishing everyone well on the healing journey. Um, please be in touch as you'd like. And just Greg, thank you so much for your heart, your light and your wisdom and your company today. I really had fun. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support.